All right, turn your Bibles to John chapter number 21. John and chapter number 21. It is good to be here at the National Young Fundamentalist Conference. I definitely appreciate the opportunity and the privilege. And now I'm glad I can say that it's good to be home. Amen. I appreciate that very much. And Clays Mill Road Baptist Church has always made Nikita and I feel at home uh, way before we ever prayed or considered this place as home, and we thank that. Thank you very much, Pastor Fugate, for allowing us to be able to be here and be a part of this today. Amen. Wasn't that a great message by Dr. Jorgensen? Amen. And I appreciate appreciate that good Bible preaching. Amen. And thank God for that. Uh, John chapter number 21, I do want to introduce my wife. I'm going to ask her to stand up. She loves it when I do this. Amen. This is my wife, Nikita, right here. And she travels all over the country with me. She was a good trooper last night. Kept me awake to about 3 this morning when we got in town. I appreciate that. Amen. John chapter number 21. Let's stand one more time as we take reverence to the reading of the Word of God. John chapter number 21. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I want you to look at these next four words, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. And Brother Danny Ortiz, right where you're at, would you lift up your voice in prayer, please, sir? Amen. You may be seated this morning. In John's account of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, you'll find that afterwards in John chapter number 20, that Jesus appears three times before he ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. He appears to Mary in the garden. He appears to all the disciples except Thomas. And then eight days later, the Lord revealed himself to doubting Thomas. And you'll find Peter, our main subject here that we'll talk about today, was with the other disciples in John chapter number 20. And he saw Jesus after his resurrection. So I wonder why in the world did Peter say in John chapter number 21, verse number 3, I go a-fishing. Peter was glad like the other disciples when he saw Jesus. So why did Peter say, I I go a-fishing? The Son of God sent Peter and the other disciples out to fulfill God's will, like God the Father had sent His only begotten Son to fulfill His will in John chapter 20, verse number 21. So why in the world does Peter say in verse number 3 of John chapter 21, I go a-fishing? The Lord had breathed on Peter and the other disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So why is Peter back to living the old life before he met the Lord? The Lord gave Peter his marching orders and instructions for the future in John chapter number 20. And it wasn't to go back fishing. 
So why did Peter say, I go a fishing? When Peter was walking with the Lord during the Savior's earthly ministry, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And those words now have a whole new meaning to Peter because they come to pass. So why in the world did Peter say in verse number 3 of John chapter 21, I go a-fishing? Could it be because of disobedience? The Lord had already told Peter during his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 19 and 20, the Bible says, and he said, that unto them follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Could it be because he was disobedient because of fear? Peter might have said, what now? The Lord's no longer here on earth, and Peter could have been fearful. That's why he had his own agenda. That's why he wanted to do his own thing. That's why he wanted to live by his own rules. Because Peter was fearful and he was scared. There's many young people in youth meetings like this that come across like they're rough and tough. And that's why they're a rebel in their teen department. That's why they won't live for God. That's why they won't be the leader of their youth department. Oh yeah, you're so big and macho, you guys, or maybe somebody here today, a young boy. You're too cool to wear a shirt and tie and grab a King James Bible and stand up. And preach the Word of God. And maybe you girls act like you're God's gift uh, to your youth department. And you won't dare dress modest like Brother Jorgensen said a little while ago. And you won't dare give God your God-given talents to sing or serve in church. It could be that you're not near as big as you think you are. And it could be that you're not as near as rough and tough as you think that you are. And it could be that you're not too cool for Sunday school like you think you are. It could be the reason that you're the disobedient rebel in the youth department because you're scared of the Fact, if you sell out to God, lock, stock, and barrel, what just might be, what might you have to give up, amen? What kind of stand you'll have to take, and what God would expect from you, and what everyone else might think. He could have been disobedient because of fear. Maybe his disobedience came because of his friends. Peter might have said to Thomas and James and John, I know how to fish, and you know how to fish. And Jesus is no longer here, and they became fuel for each other's fire for disobedience. Young people, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And that, tri- that crowd out there that tries to get you to do against the things with your parents and your preacher tried to instill in your life, they're not your friends. I'll tell you who your real friends are. is that mom and dad that hold down a second job to put you through a Christian school. And the man of God that stands up behind the pulpit and preaches, thus saith the Lord. Those are your real friends. Amen. One of the best decisions that I ever made early on in the Christian life was uh, uh, to, to beg God to give me a new set of friends that were on the same page that I was spiritually and moving forward for the things of God instead of moving backwards. Friends that weren't listening to the world's music, but friends that were listening to the music about the blood of Jesus. Friends that weren't carousing with worldly carnal folks, but friends that were concerned about lost sinners and working on bus routes and loved God and the things of God. Can I say, some of you young people, you need to dump some of those friends that will take you down a wrong road and tell take a long walk off a short pier because you're living in... Maybe he was fearful because of disobedience. Maybe, or maybe, maybe the reason he said, I go a-fishing because of disobedience. 
Maybe it could have been because of discouragement. Maybe his past sins and his past mistakes came back to haunt him. You remember, Peter denied the Lord three times in one night before the cock crowed, and now his past sin is coming back to haunt him, and he's discouraged. I, I used to think that I was the only one on earth that had past mistakes and failures that I regretted. But I understand in a group this size, there's young people all over this room. You've got past mistakes. You've got past failures. You've got past sins. You've got awful home. Maybe some of you got awful home situations. But I think about the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary this world has ever known. You understand, young people, before he was Paul, his name was Saul, the chiefest of all sinners. He issued threatenings and slaughters against that early church. He had high rankings and accolades against the very paganisms that he was now preaching against. Matter of fact, Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 15. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You understand, Paul was religious, but he was lost. According to his own testimony in Scripture, he pinned down, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost of God, Paul was the chiefest of all sinners. But thank God Paul also understood the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. And he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. You understand, young people, Paul despised, and he regretted his past more than anything. But Paul said this to Philippians, Brethren, I killed not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul said, there's nothing that I can do about my past but there has been something done about my future and to the extent that I once lived for the devil is now to the extent that I'm going to live for God Amen Can I say young people God's gotten past your past so you get past your past Amen Come now to an old-fashioned altar here in just a little while and understand and, and claim First John chapter 1, verse number 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. And go on for God's honor and for God's glory. Maybe He was discouraged because of past sins. Maybe He was discouraged because of the precious Savior. Think about it with me tonight, this morning. Peter had walked alongside the precious Savior for three and a half years. For lack of a better term, he rubbed elbows with Jesus. Peter not only saw Jesus' public life, but he saw his private life as well. He knew the Lord was not a fake. He knew that he wasn't a phony. He knew that he was not putting on a facade. And for the last three and a half years, every need that Peter had was met. For the last three and a half years, Jesus was the one giving sight to the blind and allowing the dumb to talk and allowing the lame to walk. Jesus was the one calming the storms and feeding the multitude and preaching the Word of God. And now Jesus is gone. And Peter's discouraged because he will never see the precious Savior again this side of eternity. There's some in this room today, you're discouraged with the precious Savior. Maybe there's a young person, you went through something awful. And you feel like you went through it all alone. Can I say today, if you're a blood-bought child of God, you do not go through it alone, my friend. Sometimes on the evangelism trail, I have to leave my wife, Nikita, behind. And I go and preach, and she stays at home. But you understand, when I leave my wife, even though I may be a thousand miles away from her, I never forsake my wife. 
But you understand the Savior, the Bible says that He'll never leave us, nor will He forsake us. Amen. And even though you went through a discouraging time, He's always there to get you through that time. Maybe you're a, maybe you lost a loved one that you were close to. Maybe there's a young boy here today, somebody, you get bullied at school and you get picked on. Maybe there's an older sibling that went wayward and now you're discouraged with the precious Savior. Why did Peter say, I, I go a fishing? Could it be because of disobedience with fear and friends and his focus? Could it be because of the discouragement of past sins and the precious Savior, maybe the people surrounding him? Or maybe Peter said, I, I go a fishing because his demands were not being met. Think about it with me. The man he was starving half to death, he needed some food, amen. You understand? Peter knew how to fish. He could have been starving. Maybe there's a young person here today, you're starving. Uh, for attention, and you've gone to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you're casting your net toward Hollywood, and you're casting your net towards rock music, and country and western. Maybe there's somebody here that you're casting your net towards liquor and dope, and you're creating appetites that you'll never be able to shake off, that you'll never be able to get rid of. Most, can I say, young people, listen to this preacher, and listen to me very clearly. Most of the young people that go out there and sow their wild oats, contrary to what was preached behind this pulpit, most of them do not make it back. Amen. I'm thankful for the mercy and the grace of an almighty God that saved me out of that wicked lifestyle. But also listen to me and listen to me very clear, clearly. Do not mistake God's mercy for God's approval. Amen. Young people, whoever gave you the idea that you've got to go out here and live a life of wickedness, and then come back and you didn't really be used of God. Can I say they're a liar, my friend? Some of you young people in this room, you should thank God and take full advantage of a life without drugs and rock and roll and pornography. Those of you that have grown up in a Christian home, you should praise God that you've never had to open up the refrigerator and Budweiser cans fall out and mama's passed out on the couch. You ought to thank God today that you've had a good, amen. Listen to this preacher that's lived on both sides of the fence, and I can testify to you. The food of this world will destroy you, but I can testify like the psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Amen. Maybe the demands of his food were not being met. Maybe the demands of his finances were not being met. How is Peter going to make it now or get, or get by or survive without Jesus being around? Can I say, I, I believe young people ought to have a work ethic. But I've seen too many teenagers sell, out, sell God out for minimum wage in 15 hours a week. Some of you will quit teen soul winning to be the fry guy at McDonald's. Some of you will quit coming to the youth department in Sunday school because you're too tired because you had to work until midnight on Saturday. Some of you guys will quit preaching so you can buy a car that's going to break down on you two months anyhow. Amen. Some of you girls, you'll get some job out in town away from the watchful eye of your parent or your youth director and sell your purity out to some little zit-faced punk that cares nothing for you. Amen. Maybe Paul said, I go a-fishing because of disobedience, because of discouragement. Because of demands. Now all that was foundation. Here's the message. First of all, I see the danger 
of fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Look at it with me. Can I say, first of all, young people, when you fish on the wrong side of the boat, you'll ruin everybody in your path. Look at it with me. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says they were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. You understand, Peter left the will of God but he did not leave the will of God and go back to his old life alone. You understand, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, two other disciples, went away with them. Not only did Peter leave God's will that day, but seven forsook God's will that day. Seven turned their back on God that day. You understand, young people? Uh, when you go fishing on the wrong side of the boat, uh, you, when you stop showing up for su- uh, Sunday school, and when you stop reading your Bible, and when you stop praying, and when you stop listening to godly music, and start, stop going to teen activities, and start going to the movie houses, and when you stop singing in the teen choir to hang out with ungodly friends, and when you trade your youth director and his wife that have poured their life into you for some ungodly friend that you've only known for a month, when you walk away from all the messages you've heard on liquor and dope, and wild parties and you trade all the decisions you made at youth meetings like this for one night of pleasure on the wrong side of the boat you mark it down you don't go all by yourself somebody goes with you amen there's a younger brother and sister watching you there's some innocent lower classman in the youth department that's watching you you rip the heart out of that pastor that youth director that has tried to impact and influence and invest in your life. You'll ruin that mom and daddy that'll stay up all night worrying about where you are. Sin not only ruins the person that is involved in it, but it ruins everyone in its path. I think about Calvary there that day. The Lord Jesus Christ was on one cross, the middle cross. There was two malefactors, the Bible says, on both sides of Jesus. One thief rejected Jesus, therefore he's in hell this morning. One thief received Jesus, therefore he's in heaven today. And that's the difference between heaven and hell. You reject Jesus, you go to hell. You receive Jesus, you go to heaven. But perhaps that day, the thief that got saved by the grace of God just prayed a nine-word prayer didn't take very long. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Nine words. And Jesus didn't say, well, let me take you through a three-week program. No, he said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Amen. But the thief that got saved, just think about it. Let me borrow your imagination for a minute. Perhaps that day on Calvary when the two thieves and Jesus Christ were hanging on the cross... There was a mom and daddy there, and their attention wasn't so much focused on the middle cross. But they were more concerned about their son who lived a life of crime. Their son who lived a life contrary to what he was taught in the home. Their son who lived a life of bringing shame and reproach to their family's name. 
Their son who lived a life where he was more concerned about what his worldly friends thought than the ones that birthed him into this world, gave him a roof over his head, clothes on his back, and food on the table. Their son who lived a life of rebellion and mistreating everyone that he came in contact with. And now their head is hanging in sorrow. And they're weeping bitter tears because their son is about to draw his last breath on a cruel cross for the crimes that he had committed. Can I say to some young people here this morning, you might be saved by the grace of God. Your name may be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know good and well there's some young people on the sound of my voice that you treat your mom and dad like trash. You back talk them. And you holler at them. And you disobey them and scream at them and disrespect them. Can I say, young people, these next couple days, you come down this old-fashioned altar and make every decision you want to make. But can I tell you, if you're not right with the God-given authorities in your life, you're not right with God. Amen. And you live a life totally contrary to the way that they try to train you. Go ahead and fish on the wrong side of the boat. You may not find yourself hanging on a cruel cross. You'll end up in rehab. You'll end up in the county jail. You'll end up pregnant out of wedlock or worse off, dead in your sins. But mark it down. When you go fishing on the wrong side of the boat, you don't go by yourself. First of all, when you, the danger of fishing on the wrong side of the boat, first of all, you'll ruin everybody. Second of all, when you fish on the wrong side of the boat, you'll just remain empty. You'll remain empty. Look at John chapter 21. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. And the Bible says, They went forth and entered to a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Look at verse number 5. This is funny. When Jesus asked him that, he knew the answer anyway, didn't he? The Bible says, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. You getting it, young people? Peter's trade was fishing. Peter knew how to fish better than anything else he knew how to do. Yet he fished all night and remained empty. I think the Bible says something about that, fishing on the wrong side of the boat. John chapter 10, verse number 10, the first part says, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy, the Bible says. That's what sin and Satan will do to each and every one of us. He'll rob us of everything that God ever wanted to give us. Amen. I'll say this just very briefly this morning. I'm not saying this in any kind of way to bring any kind of light to sin or Satan. I don't want to do that by any stretch of the imagination. I want to bring all the honor and glory to God because anything good that's happened in Chris Dallas's life is because of what God's done. But I'll never forget, after I went through all the rehabs and in and out of jail, my life was absolutely a complete mess. At 22 years old, I got in word that my mom and dad were going on a weekend vacation to Hot Springs, Arkansas. And as soon as they did, I went over their home and busted down the door to Still, everything I can get my hands on in order to feed the habits that I had now created in my life. That was on a Friday, and I thought I was living life to the fullest, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But Monday morning come rolling around. The money was gone, and all the things that I bought were gone. I pulled up to my mom and dad's house, and I'd act like nothing had happened. 
My dad met me out in the middle of the driveway. He said, Chris, he said, we're not going to call the cops on you. We're not going to pack your bags and take you back to rehab. He said, as far as your mom and I are concerned, he said, you're no longer welcome here. And I got my car there that day. Didn't have any gas, didn't have any money. But one thing I thought I had, Brother Young, I thought I had some friends. And I began to go to their house one after the other and began to knock on their door. Began to ask them if I could have a place to stay for a night or two. And all they want to know is how much money do you have and how much dope do you have. And when I didn't have either one, then I came to a quick realization uh, that, that the ones that I was treating like my worst enemies were in reality my best friends. And can I say, young people, I got in my car there that day, didn't have any gas, didn't have any money. Uh, and I got on the Interstate 55 down in South Mississippi and I began to go until the car began to run out of gas. And I was able to coast it to a rest area about a mile south of Hernando, Mississippi. And that's where I lived in my car as a drug-addicted bum, empty of the things of this world. I think about that prodigal son. The Bible says that he was feeding of the husk that the swine didn't eat out in the far country. You know what that word husk defined means? It means one word, empty. And he was feeding and feeding and feeding of the husk that the swine didn't eat. But he'll just remain empty. Young people, you go ahead and feed this world all you want to, and you'll remain empty. But thank God I found something almost 20 years ago now that'll fill your heart and fill your soul for the honor and the glory of God. Amen. It's called the Bible. Amen. You'll remain, not only will you ruin everyone in your path, not only will you remain empty, but look at verse number 7. Look at verse number 7. Fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Look at verse number 7. Not only will you ruin everyone in your path, not only will you remain empty, but look at verse number 7, John 21, verse number 7. The Bible says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Can I say third of all, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize when young people start fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Because third of all, your relaxing will be exposed. Skirts get a little bit shorter. Preacher boys quit wearing a shirt and tie on Sunday morning and start wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt. You quit calling your youth director or your pastor, preacher or pastor, and you start saying, Brother so-and-so, or call them by their first name. You quit being faithful to church three times a week. You never show up for team soul winning anymore. You quit saying amen during the preaching. Those tears and tenderness that you used to have during invitation has now turned into being stone-faced and unmovable. You quit volunteering to clean church or cut grass or help out around the church. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize when you start fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Can I say for the last few minutes I've talked about the dangers of fishing on the wrong side of the boat. But praise God, I also see another truth in here. And I see the delight of fishing on the right side of the boat. Amen. Thank God there's a delight of fishing on the right side of the boat. Look at John chapter 21. Look at verse number 5 with me this morning. Look at John chapter 21, verse number 5. The Bible says, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? 
They answered him, no. Look at verse number 6, amen. The Bible says that he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it from the multitude of fishes. You understand, young people, there's a wrong side of the boat, but thank God there's also a right side of the boat. When Peter and the other disciples were on the wrong side of the boat, and away from the Lord, and in total disobedience to his will, they fished all night, and yet remained empty. But when they heard from the Lord, and immediately obeyed the Lord, and started fishing on the right side of the boat, can I say, business picked up on that ship, amen. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, they cast therefore, and they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. You understand, young people, you're on a boat today, and it's called the world. But just because you're in the world, you don't have to be like the world. Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. Young people, make up your mind once and for all that you're going to get off the wrong side of the boat and get on the right side of the boat and launch forth for God, for the things of God. Amen. Launch forth. Young people, get off the wrong side of the boat of the world, the flesh and the devil, and get on the right side of the boat with the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand when you're on the wrong side of the boat, you'll ruin everyone in your path. You'll remain empty. Your, your relaxing will be exposed. But the right side of the boat is so much better. The Lord's way is greater and more satisfying and more rewarding. You understand, young people, the wrong side of the boat, you'll fish for popularity, but you'll just catch problems. You'll fish for a good time, but all you'll catch is heartaches. You'll fish for the nightlife, and all you'll get is addictions. But if you'll fish on the right side of the boat and and get on the Lord's side, you'll catch joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you'll cast your nets on the right side of the boat, you'll catch a smile on your face that the world can't erase and a soul in your heart and peace that passes all understanding and fire down deep inside your soul to live for God and serve Him the rest of your life and love for the authority of your life and excitement for the things of God. Young people, stand up once and for all and say, I'm getting off the wrong side of the boat. And I'm getting on the right side of the boat. Very quickly, there's some things that I see on the right side of the boat. The delight of fishing on the right side of the boat. Look at John. First of all, can I say he supplies the lunch, amen, on the right side of the boat. I like lunch, amen. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and close in prayer right now and we'll go to lunch. Look at John chapter 21. Look at verse number 8. He supplies the lunch. The Bible says, and the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the, from, from land, but as it were two hundred cubits dragging the net with fishes. Look at verse number nine. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. You understand, young people, the Lord had their lunch prepared and ready to eat before they ever got off the boat. You understand, the Lord knows what we're in need of before we even ask. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Can thank God God has blessed us, and He has supplied us with salvation, and a King James Bible, and a church to worship, and a mom and dad that love God, and a and a youth director that stands up and preaches thus saith the Lord. You ought to thank God today that God has supplied the lunch. 
I'll never forget very, very soon after Nikita and I got married, the day that we got married, we launched forth in the full-time evangelism. And I've driven everything in evangelism from a Ford Taurus we started out with. And I drove a 40-foot motor home, and now I, drive, and I got right with God, and I drive an F-150. Amen. And I, I noticed that no matter how small or how big it is, you're going to fill it up to capacity. Amen. I understand that. And you, as an evangelist, you have to carry everything you own on the road with you, especially when you're going on a 10-week trip like we are right now. And so, Brother Dallas, why don't you be a little bit more economical and drive that four Taurus? Because I got tired of every time I hit the brakes, the ironing board would hit me in the back of the head. Amen. <laughs> but I'll never forget we were in, we were on the road for about a year and a half, and we had prayed about buying an apartment or, or, or buying a motor home, and finally God gave us peace about buying a motor home. I went to our preacher and said, Preacher, I said, I believe we found the motor home that God would have us to buy, so there's only one problem with it. He said, well, what's that, Brother Dallas? And he, I said, well, I said, they consider it as a recreational vehicle. We're going to consider it as a home, but we consider it as a recreational vehicle. And as, as a result, you had to pay 20% down. He said, well, what's 20%? And I said, well, I said, 20% is $16,500. And I said, all I have is $16.50. Amen. And he said, well, he looked at me and he said, well, Brother Chris, he said, do you think God can do it? And I said, when I was looking at him eyeball to eyeball in his office, I said, yes, sir, I believe God can do it. But as soon as I left his office and shut the door behind me, I said, God, can you really do that? And he said, this is what I want you to do. He said, if you feel like it's God's will for you to buy the motorhome, God's already prepared that. He's already arranged for that down payment, whatever, whichever way you think. And he said, he said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I don't want you to tell any of your family members. I don't want you to tell any of your preacher friends. He said, I, he said, I just want you to commit it to prayer and ask God for that $16,500 to purchase the motorhome. We had three days to get it, or we were the first in line, but there was an elderly couple that was in line after us. If we didn't come up to $16,500, then they, were, they had the money to pay for it outright, and they, he was going to sell it to them. But he gave us three days until Monday afternoon. And all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday... I prayed, and I, we, we, went, we was preaching out somewhere on Sunday, and I, uh, I, I was praying throughout the day on Sunday. And come Monday afternoon, about 2 o'clock, my wife was out in town shopping a little bit, and I, I was in a missions house that we had there on the property. And I remember I was knelt down at a chair there, and I was just begging God, God, I know that it's your will for us to get this motor home, but God, I don't have $16,500. And God, uh, if it's your will, I sure would appreciate it if you would somehow, some way, provide the $16,500. Can I say, while I was praying in that mission's house, there was a knock that came on the door. And I just kept on praying. And all of a sudden, while I was still praying, the door came open. And I'm saying to myself, it sure is weird for somebody to knock on the door and you don't tell them to come in. But they come in anyhow. And it was my preacher. And he came and knelt beside me and he said, Brother Chris, he said, do you mind if I pray with you? And I said, no, sir, I don't mind at all. He, he began to thank the Lord for my wife and I and began to thank the Lord how he's blessed, blessed us and blessed the ministry and opened up the door in evangelism. And all of a sudden, he started weeping. He said, God, he said, I sure do thank you for the young Marine that just stopped by the church. He, he mentioned on Sunday that the Dallas's were going to pay their down payment on their motor home on money. That's all he said. 
He said, God, he said, I sure do thank you for the young Marine that just stopped by the church just a little while ago and dropped off a check for $16,500 so the Dallases can purchase their motorhome. You say, Brother Dallas, how does that deal with me? Can I say your name today may not be for God to provide $16,500 for you to uh, purchase a motorhome, but your name may be young preacher boy for God to pour his spirit upon you that you may be used of the gospel. Your name may be young lady for God to save that mama or that daddy, whatever the need is, can I say, I still serve a God that is a prayer answering God and He supplies the lunch. Amen. He supplies the lunch. He knows what we're in need of before we even ask. But He wants us to get on the, off the wrong side of the boat and get off the right on the right side of the boat and start trusting Him. Amen. Not only does He supply the lunch, but second of all, when you get on the right side of the boat, you'll see the Lord in action. You understand verse number 4 says, that that's the wrong side of the boat. Verse number 4 says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. But they got on the right side of the boat. And verse number 12 says this. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. There may be some young people here today that you're on the wrong side of the boat. And you see this youth conference is dumb and boring. And you see it as a waste of your time. And Maybe there's somebody here today, I don't know who you may be, but maybe you're enduring this meeting instead of enjoying it. And you're uninvolved during the invitation and you're uninterested during the singing and the skits. Can I say, young people, listen to this preacher today. I've had more, I like what the one preacher said, and I can testify to it today. I've had more fun in my sleep as a blood-bought child of God than I ever did awake as a little sinner on my way to hell. Amen. Get on the right side of the boat and see Jesus in action in your life. When you get off the wrong side of the boat and get on the right side of the boat, you'll be able to see the blessings of answered prayer. You'll be able to see the salvation of friends and family. You'll be able to see God move in your youth, in youth meetings like this. You'll be able to see God put that future spouse and family in your life one day. You'll be able to see the day that you graduate from high school and you go off to Bible college. Can I say, young men and young ladies, if you'll get off the wrong side of the boat and get on the right side of the boat, you'll see the day where God may call you to be a preacher or a preacher's wife or a missionary or an evangelist. Can I say today, there are some delights of fishing on the right side of the boat. Amen. Not only does He supply the lunch, not only will you see the Lord, but lastly, when you get on the right side of the boat and get off the right side of the boat, the Lord always satisfies for later. Look at John chapter 21. He always satisfies for later. Look at John chapter 21. <coughs> Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. Look at John chapter 21, look at verse number 10. The Bible says, Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. And hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. 
I didn't misquote the verse earlier when I was talking about the wrong side of the boat, but you remember when I was talking about the wrong side of the boat? I said, John chapter 10, verse number 10 says, A thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and destroy. That's the wrong side of the boat. But if you'll get on the right side of the boat, it goes on to say, I have come to give life. I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Amen. You remember the demands of Peter when he was on the wrong side of the boat? Uh, his demands for food and finances and future. But when he got on the right side of the boat, the boat, all, the, the, the right side of the boat, all his wants were fulfilled. Look at verse number 9. Can I say he had a plentiful... Uh, amount of food when he got on the right side of the boat. The Bible says as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Uh, as soon as they were come to land, the, the, the Bible says they saw uh, a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Not only was his food uh, met, but look at verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. His finances were met. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. A hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Can I say that provided for his finances? Because he had enough fish to go out and sell, and it was profitable, amen. Not only was his food met, not only was his finances met, but can I say God had a great future for him. You understand? Peter couldn't preach on the day of Pentecost on the wrong side of the boat. But once he got on the right side of the boat, he stood and proclaimed the Word of God. And all those thousands of souls were saved by the grace of God. I'm looking for some real men right here, right now. I'm looking for a man right here, right now, that will stand up before God and everybody and say, I'm getting off the wrong side of the boat this morning. And I'm getting on the right side of the boat. I'm looking for a young lady this morning at invitation time who say, I, I've got a good smile on my face. I dress like the Bible says. I have, I have the form of godliness, but I know good and well that I'm denying the power thereof. I've been on the wrong side of the boat, but once and for all, I'm getting off the wrong side of the boat. And I'm getting on the right side of the boat. Find out what it is to once and for all launch forth for God. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning.